I want to begin with taking a pastoral moment before the sermon to just share something that's on my heart, and I suspect it's on most of your hearts as well, and that is all the turmoil and terrible things that have been happening in the world as a result of the hurricanes, as a result of earthquakes, and the natural disasters going around, going on around in our world. Um, it's hard to put into words all that we feel at this time um, between Hurricane Harvey and now Irma, and I haven't heard the latest in the last few hours as to what's been happening, but I know more news will be coming in throughout the day. Um, but our hearts, as people of compassion and faith, go out to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the region and throughout the state of Florida, um, but also Mexico and what happened with the devastating earthquake there where dozens of people have been killed. Uh, we realize that this world we live in is a very delicate place, a place that we have to take care of and a place that requires our concern and compassion. Um, water, um, as we know, can be a symbol of new life and new birth. And we're going to talk about that in baptism today. And we need water daily to live. It's such an essential requirement for our bodies and for the world around us. Water is such a wonderful thing. But water can be a powerful thing, and water can be a dangerous thing. And, and we're reminded of that uh, during these days and hours. And so our hearts simply go out to those people. We want to lift them up in our prayers and where we can to lend a hand through our resources. And Michael will talk a little bit more about that later. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to lift that up because I know that's at the forefront of our minds and our hearts today. Well, today is um, a day that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Put the hurricanes and the other things aside for just a moment. I have really been looking forward to this day with great excitement. Today is a day of homecoming. It's a day of kicking off the program year and getting us started as we kind of regather from all the different activities that have taken some of us away for parts of the summer. And we're here to gather together, and it's an exciting time. And as I think about the year to come, I am so excited because I think it's going to be a fantastic year for us here at the Neighborhood Church. I believe God has so much in store for us, and some amazing things are happening in our midst. And it's for us to sense that and to be aware of it, and to respond with faithful living. And as we do that, we're kicking off a sermon series on religious rites and rituals as we explore different aspects that are important to us in the journey of faith and as Christian people. Today, we are looking at baptism. And we have been blessed to have uh, the baptism of Kalani this morning and to share in that joy um, because she represents the newness and the potential that is there in every birth and every new child that comes into the world. It is a very, very special time indeed. Now, at the River Jordan, just beyond the south end of the Sea of Galilee, there's a tourist spot where you can go and you can buy trinkets and you can get something to eat. It's a place where people come and you can actually buy little vials of 
Jordan River water. And you can use that for baptism if you want. You can take it home and and use it for a baptism back wherever home is. It's also a place where just off to the left of the tourist shop is a concrete walkway that goes down into the river. There's a railing that goes down, and it goes down just above waist deep. And tourist buses come on a regular basis throughout the day, and dozens and dozens of people are baptized there in the River Jordan with the hope and expectation that it may be the place where Jesus was baptized by John. How do I know this? I've been there. So, one of the things that people have been debating throughout the time since the Reformation is whether a person needs to be baptized the way we just did it, by putting a little water on someone's head, or whether you have to be immersed. Some of you may come from a tradition where folks are baptized by being immersed all the way under the water. Well, a Southern Baptist minister and one of our United Church of Christ ministers were having an argument about this. And the Southern Baptist minister was quite adamant that it only mattered as you had to be immersed. And so the UCC minister, wanting to try to find a compromise, said, well, what if, what, if, what, if, what if you just go in knee deep? Oh, no, said the Baptist. That's not good enough. Well, how about chin deep? Nope, that's not good enough. You have to go all the way. Aha, said the UCC minister. I knew it. It's just the top of the head that matters. <laughs> well, people have been struggling with this and debating it and arguing it. and We don't want to get caught up in that today because... That debate's been going on for hundreds of years, and we're not going to settle that today. Um, But it is our understanding that baptism is both a family's decision, when it is in the case of an infant, and it also can be for an individual who makes that decision. But the infant or young child tradition has become a very prevalent form of baptism in the world today. We are going to, we're not going to debate that, we're going to explore the meaning of baptism and what it is to be baptized. We're not here to debate the form, whether it's by immersion or sprinkling, or the age of the person being baptized. During the Reformation, the Anabaptists insisted that it had to be personal And so a person couldn't do that until they were at least probably 13 or 14 years of age to make that decision, and they didn't feel it was a family decision. And that's why in some some churches, uh, if you haven't been baptized properly, they will re-baptize you. We don't do that. If someone comes to our church, they want to join the church, any baptism in a Christian church, we accept that. All right. We think in our tradition that both forms are welcome and necessary. You see, infant baptism holds the promise of the new and unique and special character which is inherent in each young child. And adult baptism holds the promise of the new life and the spirit that can come for one already mature physically. One is expressive of a family decision that points to the reliance of grace surrounding a newborn to which they are totally dependent in their younger years, 
and the other is expressive of a personal and conscious decision. And both of these are important. There's an element of choosing, but it's also a reminder that we do not control it. When Jesus came to the Jordan to be baptized by John, we do not simply celebrate his decision, but also God's provision for the sacrament of grace. Jesus knew that his life's accomplishments would not be by his own doing alone, but by the power of God. For when John protested that Jesus should baptize him, Jesus said, let it be so. We, too, know that when we are our best selves, think about times when you have been your best self. It is by God's grace and not simply your own merits. Just so, writing from Berkeley, California back in 1965, the sociologist and Jew by birth and journeyer with Christ by the unfolding of his life, Ernst Becker caught this deep insight. He wrote to his friend, the chaplain at Syracuse University, Harvey Bates. And here's what he wrote. Classes have started. The whole atmosphere is serious and eager. My efforts will have to be the best, and even my best will be none too good. At least I have been fortunate to learn that we do not achieve anything, that anything that is achieved is achieved by grace. This is an immense discovery to me that is slowly transforming my whole world. Grace. Let it be, said Jesus. Let it be. For baptism, as life at its deepest level, is an event of grace. It is an event of grace. In our liturgy, we place the portion of the service with the confession and the forgiveness of sins right prior to the sacrament of baptism because forgiveness and new life are inherent in the sacrament of baptism. And we place the baptismal font by the door because baptism is a symbol of someone's entrance into the community of faith. It's the formal time when we welcome that child or person as a fellow journeyer of Christ. So it's by the door as a sign of welcome. And yet the constraints of a full service such as this do not allow me to say all that could be said about baptism. I could stand here for two and a half hours and keep you until late in the day and could never exhaust all that there is to be said about baptism. It is a mystery that defies defining. Today we are simply pointing to a few of the important issues and some of the larger things about it that are much bigger than we ourselves. So being baptized is needing and knowing newness. Needing and knowing newness. When Jesus came up out of the water, it was a symbol of dying. In Jesus' day, not everybody knew how to swim. And so when you were put under the water, it was as if you were drowning and dying to an old self-centered self and rising, resurrected to a new God-centered self. That symbolism is there in baptism. And in baptism, we too are in a relationship with the one who offers newness, who dismantles what's old in our lives 
and who calls us to welcome and live towards God's newness. The rite of Christian baptism is not a magical act. It does not change the condition of the one being baptized. It is a covenanting and the solemnizing of a relationship. You see, the, the moment of baptism, it's over quickly. It passes. Today will pass, and it'll be over, and it'll simply be a memory and some photographs. The actual moment of baptism is not the key. It's what it signifies. It's what it symbolizes in our spiritual life. And that can last as long as we live if we let it. Baptism is not merely measured by quantitative analysis. A date, the amount of water used, or our age. It is sensed by the qualitative difference it makes in our life's unfolding. Jesus emerged and we emerge with a new identity. You are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. You are my child. You see, from the moment we are born, there are forces in our lives, always external to us, which are defining who we are. In the course of our lifetime, we will be a member of a family, a student, a friend, a lover, a worker, a succeeder, a failure, a searcher, and on and on. It was the comedian Lily Tomlin who once quipped, Sometimes I feel like a figment of my own imagination. All of these are external identities. But in baptism, we are given a core identity. We are children of God, stamped and imprinted with God's image. And we receive that foundational identity in the company of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so precious, and that's why it's so necessary. And that's why it must continually be reaffirmed, lest we forget who we are on the journey. Each baptism is a reminder for those of us who are already baptized that it is ours too. It is an occasion to renew our own baptismal vows. In baptism, we come to discover that our birth is more than an obstetrical event. You and I are more than the result of an obstetrical event. Being baptized is an event of becoming. It is an event of newness and unfolding identity. We say it is the outward and visible sign of the inward and invisible grace of God that will not let us go. In baptism, we accept God's acceptance of us. We sense a need for a little new birth every day, and we are strangely and wonderfully grabbed by grace. We are grabbed by grace. When you have discovered that, then each day becomes a day for knowing newness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Baptism What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day for affirming our true relationship with God and our true identity as God's children. The Apostle Paul knew fulfillment in Christ when he told the church in Rome, you were buried with Christ by baptism into death. That's the negative. That's the darkness. It's there. So that, he goes on to say, as Christ is raised from the dead by the glory of God, and that's the positive, and that's the light. 
we too might walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4. What a promise that is for all who would reaffirm their baptism in him today. Harold McCurdy penned these lines, which we will use as a closing for today. These lines are simply called newness. The excitement of lilies breaks out of ourselves, birds flying, cloud shadows over deep sunny valleys, things newborn, colts, calves, the sweet scent of clover. And is there nothing human, equally breathtaking, some flowering of the spirit, real but a little uncommon, a hint of newness, of spring, oh, to be near it, oh, to be near it. Needing and knowing newness. We do it whenever we affirm and reaffirm our baptism in Jesus Christ, our Lord. May it be so for us today and every day. Amen.